You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, into hour two of the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Lots of flames and Kings content in our one. Heard from head coach Ryan Huska on a game day, as well as Mackenzie Weger and Dryden Hunt. And took a look at the opposition with Daryl Evans, former NHLer and the color radio voice of the LA Kings. Flames and Kings for the second time this season. Six o'clock Flames one with the one and only Pat Steinberg. Seven o'clock. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. We're kicking off hour two with one of our favorites, talking not only about the Flames and the Kings, but some of the biggest topics around hockey with our pal Primetime Peter Klein, host of the Couch Potato Diaries, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Happy Tuesday, PK. What's up, man? Not much, man. Happy uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I gathered from the, the text that I got that this wasn't, oh, man, we can't wait to have Klein on again. It was more, everyone else has said no. Who will say yes? Uh, but uh, either way, I appreciate being on. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, just great to hear your voice as always, PK. Yeah, look, and I, I don't I don't take any offense to it at all. It's nice to be the, what are we going to talk about? Don't know, but his, this loud mouse will fill half an hour. So let's just roll with it. Uh, I'm happy to be that guy. I'm, I'm glad that you're that guy. Let me tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Flames and Kings tonight, PK. Uh, call it a roller coaster. Call it ups and downs. I really don't know what other adjective to describe a team that goes on four-game winning streaks and four-game losing streaks, followed by three-game winning streaks and three-game losing streaks. I, I don't really like I think LA is a, a top-ish team so I think the Flames will probably show their best Tuesday but I, I can't say that for certain no it's I mean look trying to guess what the Calgary Flames do is uh, a very difficult venture this season right you come out have one of your best games of the season against the, the Boston Bruins and then lose to the Sharks and the Blackhawks a bunch of times um, it's, it's kind of all over the place and it does kind of seem like right there with them are the LA Kings who are all over the place, right? Like they've, that they, they, they played so poorly. They got their coach fired. They've won seven of their last 10. Uh, but in there, there's a four game winning streak and now they've lost two of their last three. So it's like, what, what are either of you? So I, I don't, I, I genuinely have no idea what to expect tonight. I'm with you. Like, I think the Kings are a good hockey team. They have good hockey players on their team. So to start, um, I like, I, I, I think I like this team and I, I think I like the direction that the Kings are going. And I do believe they're going to give the flames a bit of a challenge, but the, these are two teams that can't really afford to just put it in cruise control. Cause Calgary, when they are on their game and they are outworking teams, they're rather difficult to deal with. But when the LA Kings are on their game, they are legitimately one of the better teams in the national hockey league. So it's going to be a, a really interesting matchup of who's actually going to play well this evening. Does a week where you beat the Jets, the Bruins, and the Oilers, like, I mean, that should be a monumental week for, for any team in the NHL, but does it does it feel less of an accomplishment knowing that you had those beginning games of the homestand against San Jose and Detroit in your mind? 
A little bit, yeah. Like, I, I think a lot of this season is about learning, right? Like, for, for, for the kids who are getting the opportunities this year, right? Like, for the Zaris and the Pazasols and, and all of those guys, for getting to see, like, hey, this is what it takes to play in the National Hockey League. And, yes, there are going to be times where you lose to the absolute worst teams that have ever been placed on the ice in the National Hockey League. But you're also going to come out, and this is what it takes to beat the Jets, the Oilers, and the Bruins. And so, like, it, it, from a, a team accomplishment standpoint, it does kind of, like, it, it is almost more frustrating, and it's almost like they're taunting you, where it's like, hey, could do this all the time. We don't, but we could. See, look what we just did. Um, and so you're just like, if you could just do this all the time, we wouldn't be having half of the messes that we have here right now. Mm. So there's a, a bit of frustration in it, for sure. But um, I, I do think that it's still, like, a positive thing, right, to see, like, hey, this is what it takes when – Tampa Bay is pushing against you and you get a goal from Connor Zari and that shifts the tide right back. This is what it takes to win there. This is what it takes to go up against the Oilers and have Leon Dreisaitl take your goalie's head off and still come back <laughs> and play really well and, and pick up a win. So it's, it's about these learning moments. And so, yeah, it's, it's annoying as hell that they do that. But I, I do think overall it's still, it, it's still a positive thing. Has it made Craig Conroy's job more difficult in your mind the last month or so when I talked about those those four-game winning streaks and the losing streaks and the back and forth? Or do you think his path when it comes to March 8th and the trade deadline has always been the same? Yeah, I think his path has always been the same because you, you, are, you are not looking to retool to just get into the playoffs, right? You are looking to retool so that this team can be a consistent winner mentioned with teams like some of the ones they beat this week. Um, I guess more specifically the Boston Bruins, right? Like that would be one of the gold standards yeah. for team building right now. Um, so yeah, just go out and be them. But no, like you, you're, you're not looking to just squeak into the playoffs. And regardless of what you think about this team's chances of making the postseason, squeaking into the playoffs is what they'd be doing. They are not going to make this magical run, catch the Oilers for third in the Pacific and move on up there. Odds are they're going to be finishing in one of the two wildcard spots, which means they're probably going to get the tar kicked out of them by whoever wins either the Pacific or the central division. So the, the playoffs are this nice shiny thing. And I understand they've been the goal here for a very, very, very long time of just get in and see what happens. Unfortunately, I think the see what happens part would be rather ugly. And so you want to not just focus on finish seventh or eight this year. That's again, what got you in this problem in the first place. You need to focus on building a team that can consistently compete not just for playoff spots but for division titles and then heaven forbid winning rounds and stuff like that so no I, I don't think I don't think the plan should change even a little bit for what Craig Conroy has to do here uh, and so we assume that that means between now and, and next Friday you know saying goodbye to two guys who have formed a great pairing for you one guy who had a tremendous game on Saturday and Noah Hannafin and Look, I'm curious now that we're within, like we're counting down the days. It's four games between now and the trade deadline. The one topic that gets brought up a lot here is if you know the fates of those guys, should you not be resting them? Should you not be protecting the asset? Where does Peter Klein come down on that conversation that's being had right now? I do think we're getting close enough that you, you do have to think about it. I remember like there were people talking about it in like November. Like, oh, we, we can probably chill on this a little bit. Like, unless the trade is imminent, it's tough. And you 
you are going to have to like reprogram Tanev's phone so that he thinks you're on the road. Cause if he <laughs> is within a hundred feet of the dome, knowing that there's a hockey game, he's going to like burst through the walls of the dome, which can't be that hard. No. The building's a hundred. He's going to be like Kool-Aid man busting in. Like I'm playing this game if he's healthy. Um, so th- there's going to have to be something to, to hold him back. So that like, it would be a difficult conversation, but he would be the one where it'd be like, look, we know what's happening here. You know what's happening here. Uh, we know we can't get you to play at like 50% because you've never done that for a second in your life. So um, here's a suit. Uh, here's popcorn. Enjoy the night. Like, I, I just, I, I think we are at that point where you, you need to think about it. Do I think it's um, like malpractice if they don't? No, I'm not going to get too worked up about it. Um, but I, I do think if they did it, it would make at least a little bit of sense. Yeah. Which one do you need to hit a home run on? Like as far as these two assets go from Frank Cervalli to Elliot Friedman, it sounds as though there's, you know, a good chunk of teams in on both of these guys, which one needs to come out with a better result for Craig Conroy. When you're talking about trading 55 and eight. I think it has to be 55, right? Like it has to be Hannafin. Um, he, he is playing, I think the best hockey of his playing career. I cannot get enough of watching this dude play, uh, especially in the offensive end. Like if you listened to any of my stuff from last year, where, wherever that may have been, or even hits on here. Um, if you took a drink, every time I said they need to be, have the defense more active in the offensive game, you probably died. But I, I, I do like how well he has played in that aspect. And just like those little things, right? Like, Little stick check on Bouchard through the neutral zone leads to a goal the other way. And his reads are just, all of it is excellent. He, he has just been, he has been playing like a legitimate number one defenseman in the NHL this season. And those guys don't become available all that often. So I, I think when you look at that sort of a thing, he, this one needs to be like getting the correct value back for, for a Noah Hannafin. Tanev, I'm not going to say it's found money or anything like that, but when they signed the Tanev contract, it was, okay, well, first couple of years, we'll be fine, but this guy's been banged up a lot, so we'll see what the, the back part of it is. And now you're at the back part of it and actually getting something probably pretty good in return. Again, I don't want to use found money, but I, I would say that that's almost best-case scenario for how that contract was going to turn out. So just getting stuff is a, a win there. I'm not saying trade them for a seventh, but you know what I mean. Like we, I don't know if you would have thought at the time – that there would have been enough value in a contract, just given injury history, how hard this guy plays, how regular human beings age. I don't know if you would have assumed that you would have been able to get back a decent haul for this guy when that contract was expiring. So to be able to get that is awesome. But with Hannafin, because of how well he has played, like this, this should be one of those ones that's a bit of like a game changer for any kind of retool or build or whatever. Speaking of you know the trade deadline and where those assets might make sense, there are plenty of storylines to watch for right now uh, around the NHL. And one of them that's interesting, and Lord knows they don't get enough coverage, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have made life at least interesting for their GM, the guy that used to call the shots here in Calgary as his team reels off seven in a row. They do it with a large part without Morgan Riley, and there continues to feel like there's you know, some sort of interest in the GM in Toronto bringing back one or maybe two of his former defensive guys that he brought to Calgary. 
Does that path make sense to you, Klein? Like if you're branch living, not even necessarily from a Flames perspective, but from an asset management perspective, or is this a year that Brad Living goes all in on the Leafs, or is he still going to wait and see? I, I think that this is one of those years to do that, right? Because they have the Nylander extension for next season, um, and so they're going to be a, a little bit cap-strapped next year. Not that they aren't now. They are, I mean, look at their cap-friendly page. It's kind of <laughs> cap-strapped in perpetuity, but... Next year, it's going to be cap-strapped-er, right? So yeah. I think you do have to look at this year as a very important one. Also, like, Matthews is playing insane. Nylander had that great start to the season. Um, but like you said, they've won seven in a row. Four of those without one of their emotional leaders in, in Morgan Riley. And so I, I do think you do have to take advantage of a season like this if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and with that club and the expectations that they have and – like who knows what happens in the future with some of these guys, like you are, you are in win now mode. So I I do think that they have to be in that space. As far as the flames are concerned, I do think there is a bit of a match there, given how aggressive they have been at trade deadlines past. Maybe they don't have necessarily the cupboard that some other places have, but like, I, I think when you look at the profile of what the flames are looking for, where it's, young players who can kind of help now. Um, I know he's not playing because he's a little banged up tonight, but Lilligren would make a ton of sense if you're moving out one of these defensemen. Like he is, I think, defenseman who has a bit of upside to him as well, but can play at the NHL level tomorrow if you need him to. Uh, maybe not literal, literally because he's hurt, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, he would be a player that would fit that. And then they have a number of other players who are kind of along those lines, like a Robertson or a Nyes or a, what? Nyes would probably be, shooting for the moon, so to speak. But like they, they have some of these young pieces that are kind of in the ballpark for what the Flames are looking for. So I, I do think when you look at the, the history of their GM brought those guys here and the, the pressures in Toronto, the desires of Calgary, it does seem to all kind of make sense right now. What about a team on the other end of it? The Pittsburgh Penguins are in a weird spot that they've – Brought in a new GM, the guy from Toronto, uh, as my transition continues. Uh, and uh, now he's committed to the likes of Latang and Crosby and Malkin that, hey, we're going to try to remain competitive. We're going to give you guys the kind of send-off you deserve. Uh, well, that turned out to be harder than it sounds when you're Kyle Dubas. And now you have one of your most important pieces up as a UFA in Jay Gensel and are kind of forced into moving him but still trying to convince the the core in Pittsburgh that you're going to be competitive for the next couple of years. What kind of mess do you see in front of Kyle Dubas in Pittsburgh right now? Oh, a gigantic one. Um, and it's, it's such a tough balancing act, right? Like, obviously, it's a different situation. They won cups and stuff like that. But we remember here, um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of these memories flooding back this weekend. But with like you have Kiprasov and Aginla. How, how are you not competitive? How do you not like try to build around these guys? And so it's constantly... Let's build around them and win. Let's build around them and win. And they did half of that. And it wasn't the win part. Um, And so (laughs) with Pittsburgh, they're trying like, okay, well, we got to just keep building around them and win. And it just, it keeps, for whatever reason, it keeps not working. I do think a bit of this is Dubas's own doing with the Carlson trade. And I get they weren't taking, they're not taking the full brunt of the Carlson contract, but still more of it than they should have. Um, I I think it put them in a, a real tough spot. So I think it is a difficult kind of balancing act here for, for, for Kyle Dubas now, who has 
And I think it gets complicated even more with Gensel being hurt at the moment, right? Like he went down at the absolute worst possible time with that, um, I think it was a bicep injury. Mm -hmm. And so like it it just, it makes it that much more complicated that this is supposed to be a piece that can bring you a couple of things back. And I guess even if it's, even if it's just a couple pieces that can help next season at a bit of a reduced price, like maybe that helps. But I, I I think it is a very difficult balancing act because I don't think just building through free agency is the way to go anymore, but that's kind of going to be the, the way they do it unless they try to follow the flames path of get a couple of these younger players who can contribute next year and hope they can take big steps next year. But like th- there are only so many players who are being underutilized in that way around the league. And uh, we're, we're trying to get all of them here. So stay away, <laughs> but no, like it's, it, it is a little bit easier said than done. And it's, it's a mess in Pittsburgh and it sucks. Cause like Sidney Crosby is still playing at an absurd level. Right. Yep. And like there are 31 other teams that, would take Malkin on their team like right now and same with Latang, right? So it's, it's such a tricky, tricky balancing act. And it's kind of, when you see how well Crosby is playing, it's kind of crazy. It hasn't worked, but maybe, maybe they can get this on track, but it does. It doesn't look good out there. I'll say that. He's Peter Klein, regular contributor here to Sportsnet 960 and the host of the Couch Potato Diaries, wherever you get your favorite podcast, going over some of the biggest storylines around the NHL. And uh, <laughs> I, I love Vancouver for so many reasons, and this is one of them. This, should, I, I, this would not get the same run in any city in the NHL, and I promise you that, because the Vancouver Canucks are tied with the Boston Bruins for the most points in the NHL, he got 82 points. Literally everything is going their way, PK. But they are losing their minds in Vancouver because Elias Petter- Elias Pettersson will not put pen to paper on an extension. And it is like getting to the point where Vancouver media, Jason Bruff in 6.50 this morning, went on a massive rant that I highly encourage you go listen to. Because this is the sort of self-destructive nature of Canucks Twitter. Things can't go right for too long without trying to find a negative. And they're trying to, I don't know, it feels like they're entrapping themselves in the negative. That, yeah, okay, it's great this year, but Pedersen doesn't even want to be here. So what does it matter? It, nothing matters. If we win a cup, it doesn't matter because Pedersen's going to leave us next year anyways. He doesn't want to be here, PK. What in the world do you make of this? Like, we shouldn't be talking about this, should we? No, not at all. Like, <laughs> Nylander signing that big extension during the season is actually the anomaly, right? Like, yes. um, I think I said that weird, anomaly. Um, like, the, like you, you don't sign these big, like, do you know how hard it is to focus on being one of the top players in the National Hockey League in the world right now, whilst also making a life-changing financial decision uh, about where you're going to spend the next seven years and how you're going to be fairly compensated for being freaking awesome at what you do. That's a lot to balance for someone. And I get agents take on some of that, but players have to be at least somewhat involved in that whole process. So like, it's, it's a really tough balancing act to do that. So for him to sign right now would be absurd if they just actually just pulled that off. And like, like you said, like th- this shouldn't be a thing. I like I, I love the city of Vancouver, but I don't know if we're at the point now in the winter where it's just like dark and dreary, and they haven't got enough sunlight in the last little while because they just need to be upset about something. But th- this is insane. 
insanity to me. And it's so, it's so weird. Like when um, JT Miller, and there was all those discussions about like, should they keep JT Miller? Should they trade him? Whatever. There was a, a segment of the fan base is like, Caps may snap space. Like, who cares? Let, who cares about that? Let's just try to win right now. And now that they're winning right now, it's like, but what about the future? It's like they focus on the here and now when the here and now is bad, and they focus on the future when the future is bad, but the here and now is actually quite good. Like, this is legitimately a Stanley Cup contender in Vancouver. You look at that forward group, they have four lines that can be just a pain to play against. They probably need another defenseman. There's a bit too much Ian Cole in key situations. But aside from that, like you have one of the best defensemen in the world in Quinn Hughes on your team. And in goal, you have one of the best goalies in the world. Like this is legitimately a team that you could see hoisting the Stanley Cup a few months from now. Who cares if this guy has signed yet or not? It is absolutely absurd. And then the mental gymnastics that people are going through. And it, it started at the beginning of the year, right? When Pedersen said, as any good pending free agent would do, well, I'm not convinced that I'll be staying in Vancouver, as if he wants to tell all other 31 potential bidders, oh, no, I'm not signing with you guys. I'm staying in Vancouver and drive his price down. That's not how any negotiation ever works. And then the Vancouver Canucks are like, well, we didn't want to dance with you anyway. Like the, the most childish response you could possibly have. And now the same thing's happening now where they're, it's not just, we're worried that this guy isn't going to sign, but we don't even want to re-sign this guy because he's not a leader and doesn't come up in clutch situations as if just being one of the most five talented hockey players in the world isn't enough right now. It is so insane that they are doing this out there right now at this particular time when things are going well for the first time in a decade. I'm going through Canucks Twitter last night and the amount of replies and tweets, PK, that are Look, we don't even need to focus on getting the best player at the trade deadline. Patrick Alvin needs to focus on bringing guys before the trade deadline that are more likely to make Pedersen sign an extension. <laughs> what? Oh, what, are man. We, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Oh, man. I remember, like, there's probably a more, like, uh, current example of this. But when the Raptors were doing that with Chris Bosh, like, oh, man, yeah. Jay Ford. TJ Ford played college basketball with Chris Bosch. <laughs> How could he possibly leave? Wait, what's that? He's at Miami Heat? Oh. Oh. Like, that, that's never worked. That no. Never worked. Like, these guys, these guys all train together in the offseason anyway. Like, who cares? Yeah, that, that, that is so – it's like if that logic panned out, like, remember with Johnny Gaudreau? Yep. Oh, well, jo- Johnny Gaudreau was at such and such's wedding. They, they couldn't possibly be signing in Columbus. That'd be that. That'd be hilarious. Why would do you think Columbus even tries to make a phone call? Is an actual thing I said. But <laughs> like, uh, like that, that that stuff doesn't matter. I I, I assure you, if he's making a close to one hundred million dollar decision, well, my buddy is here. Isn't going to factor in. He can get a jet to fly him there on off days if he wants to. Like Buddy Robinson didn't work as a friend. Right. <laughs> uh, Dougie's brother. I don't even remember his name. Didn't uh, work Freddy? here. Freddie. Freddie yeah. Freddie's not an NHLer. I'm sorry. Nope. Freddie Hamilton fans. Freddie Hamilton was not an NHLer. But but Dougie wanted him around, so he brought Dougie. It was a failure. Don't do yeah. things like that. It never works. No, Yusei Kikuchi was a great pitch man for, for, for Shohei Otani. <laughs> Had a sushi dinner lined up, and uh, Shohei Otani made his debut for the Dodgers uh, today. Yeah. So, like, how... 
how did that work, right? It's the same thing as the, oh, well, this guy played here before. So, like, obviously he's going to want to sign here. It's just uh, the mental gymnastics of Canucks Twitter yeah. just never, never ceases to amaze me. Like, everything can be going right, and they're just – it's just that self-destructive nature that they can't believe something good is happening to themselves, and they have to twist it into something bad that just blows my mind. It's incredible to watch. It really is, yeah. Uh, before I let you go, you did mention the the Jays. Uh, not a great debut for Alec Manoa, hey? Uh, no, no, not <laughs> at all. Um, I've, oh, I've boy. started doing uh, team-specific podcasts uh, now for my thing. So once a week, I'm doing a, a Blue Jays one, and it, it came out yesterday. And I did a bit of a roster preview, and I was like, look. Manoa's probably going to make the team unless it like absolutely spirals. And then you see the tweet today. It's like Manoa spiraled. Um, Like that's, it's a disaster. Um, And like, I, I don't try to focus too much on spring training stuff early, especially with pitchers, right? Cause it's like, you hear stories about, Oh man, you got hit really hard today. What was the, the thing? Yeah. I just wanted to work on my slider. So I threw it 18 times in a row and eventually they caught on and hit it. But I, I don't think Manoa was like, yeah, you know what? I was just really focused on trying to hit like the second rib on these guys. And so mission accomplished. Um, I wanted to see if I could get the exit velocity up against me to 115. It only got to 110 today. So we got some stuff to work on. And this is, this has been one of my frustrations with the blue Jays is that like last year, they got so incredibly lucky with pitcher health and they, they only used like six starters all season long, which is great because they only had four capable major league starters and they didn't have anybody. So yeah. unless Ricky Tiedemann is ready to take a step or Bowden Francis is ready to take this step, like this team as it sits right now has four major league level pitchers on their pitching staff. Sometimes teams use 10 or 11 and so that they have not done a good enough job in the last couple of years of building up this starting pitching depth. Yes, it's great that you have this big four that pitched out of their minds last season, and I do think they'll be good again this year, but to not back that up with any kind of depth at all is just absolutely beyond me right now, and I, I think you're, you're kind of seeing it. Like, you're, uh, I'm sure Atkins is going through like, hey, can you make trades with the KBO? Can we get <laughs> Ryu back here? Uh, is that is that a thing we can do? Because just unless unless they got a big deal for Snell or Montgomery coming, um, there's there, there could be a bit of a hole in this pitching staff every fifth day. Yeah, it's worrisome, and you're right. First one of spring training, maybe it's nothing, but even an average to below average start would have been good. This was. 38 pitches, 17 strikes, four runs on yeah. three hits. He hit three guys and walked a runner. Like, that is – that. I mean, put me out there, and that's, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. far from that, which isn't good. No, no. And, like, yeah, like Nate Pearson got hit pretty hard in his last one, but at least he got hit hard. It, it, it's not the, the, the slider getting drilled or anything like that. That's the thing. It's the – like less than 50% strike rate. That is a a major, major concern because that was a big problem last time. And when you're carrying over the problems from a year ago to now, then it is okay to worry. Uh, Before I let you go, PK, what uh, what do you got rolling on the Couch Potato Diaries, pal? Uh, Well, um, like I said, we're doing, or I I say we all the time. It's me. I'm the only one here. Um, (laughs) You are the team. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, I, I've started to, along with the, the regular Couch Potato Diary show, I'm going to once a week do a team-specific show. So Mondays, it's going to be 
uh, Blue Jay one today uh, will be the premiere of Blasty Banter, uh, the, the Calgary Flames podcast that I'm putting out. So uh, watch for that. And then a Raptor one coming out to, tomorrow as well. Also tonight, um, I'm going to be at Brickwell Tap House for uh, Wild Rose Wrestling. Your boys ring announcing tonight. Uh, so I'm going to be doing that and then a bunch of wrestling content coming up this weekend because it is the Icon Sting's final match in professional wrestling, and he is one of my all-time favorites, so I'm going to nerd out about this all week. <laughs> Great stuff, PK. Always appreciate you, pal. Thanks for taking some time for us. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. Take care. Peter Klein, primetime Peter Klein, regular contributor here on Sportsnet 960, and as you heard, uh, host of the Couch Potato Diary. Great sports talk uh, podcast wherever you get your favorite pods. Uh, check him out for a ton of great content. We got to take a break. Come back on the other side. We'll talk more about Alec Manoa's disastrous start uh, in spring training, as well as taking a look at a busy NHL schedule on this Tuesday. That as Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Swung out, hit high in the air to left and deep. This ball carrying. This ball is gone. It is Dodger debut. Shohei Otani brings them to their feet. A two-run home run. That's what they've been waiting for. Ace, that's what $700 million gets you. Wait, but he had a two-run home run and the Jays lost, so? Yep. How? Well, the Jays didn't lose to them. No, I know, but he's a Blue Jay, right? No. What? No, he's a Dodger. What? He wasn't on the plane, man. But why we were tracking a, the no, flight? No, was a Dragons Den guy. But why would they say it was Shohei Otani? That wasn't true. Oh. Yeah. Alec Manoa pitched though. Well, that's good. He's back. Yeah, uh, yeah, back to last year. Oh. He only hit two of the first three batters that he faced. That's, like, yeah. With the baseball, not like like he not, wasn't not yeah. physically hit. Yeah. Like he threw it at them. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Uh, what could have been the Toronto Blue Jays spring training action underway on this Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Shohei Otani's elbow appears to be fine. He won't be pitching, but apparently still going to hit bombs. His first at bat in a Dodgers uniform. Pretty good. As you heard there, two run shot Dodgers taking on the White Sox and the Jays in action earlier. The, uh, Hopeful return to form for Alec Manoa against the Detroit Tigers. Didn't go well, at least to start his first uh, spring training performance. He struggled finding the zone. He plunked three uh, three batters, uh, gave up four runs before being pulled in the second inning. Finished with three hits, four earned runs, a walk, and three batters hit over one and two-thirds inning. Uh, Only 17 of 38 pitches called for strikes in his uh, spring training debut. Here's uh, Alec Manoa on his start in spring training against the Tigers. Yeah, I think, you know, just um, continuing to feel that fluidity with the body, continuing to everything just come, you know, and feel natural, you know. So, um, you know, felt pretty good out there. Um, just trying to attack with every every pitch and um, continue to kind of separate each pitch from itself and um, just continue to attack, I, I would say. Tough year for Manoa last year, 26 years old, struggled mightily, 3-9 and nine record, 5.87 ERA last year, spent time with AAA Buffalo, uh, was troubling with his control, uh, giving up 6.1 walks 
per nine innings. Crazy to think in 2022, had a 16-7 and record with a 2.24 ERA and 2.3 walks per nine innings. Was an all-star and third in Cy Young voting. The Jays desperately need that version of Alec Manoa to start reappearing. Didn't happen in his first spring training game out this summer, uh, or spring, I should say, uh, Cal- uh, the Calgary. Whoops. Blue Jays, excuse me, fall uh, 6-4 to Detroit in spring training action on this Tuesday. We'll continue, of course, to watch uh, what the Jays do in spring training action as they continue to get set for another regular season. Here in Calgary, we're focused in on the Flames and the LA Kings, their second meeting this season. Flames fell 5-3 to LA in their lone visit to Los Angeles earlier this season, expecting Jacob Markstrom versus Cam Talbot to be the goaltending matchup. We'll get confirmation on that later on the Kings side of things. Uh, expected during Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg as the Kings did not skate this morning. They fell 4-2 to the Edmonton Oilers Monday night in Edmonton. They're continuing a road trip. Flames will keep the same lineup they had Saturday against the Oilers. Zeri Pospisil uh, Kadri, Huberto, Sharon Govich, and Hunt. It'll, of course, be Majapani with Backlund and Coleman, Pelche with Rooney and Dewar, Hannafin Tanev, Uyghur Anderson, Shillington with Pahal, and, yes, Jacob Markstrom slated to make the start after backing up Dan Vladar on Saturday. No Andre Kuzmenko still dealing with an illness. Head coach Ryan Huska said earlier today they're expecting to get him back in the lineup Saturday that's the next time the Flames are out. Also happens to be Mika Kiprasov's jersey retirement night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. We've heard from Mackenzie Weger, Ryan Huska, and Dryden Hunt. We'll take one more trip inside the Flames locker room on this game day. Hear from Connor Zieri as the young rookie forward continues his great first NHL season, looking to continue momentum, help the Flames to a fourth straight win against L.A. What's been the, uh, you know, at this point in the season, you know, some highs as groups had some highs and lows individually there's been there but I wonder as you kind of look at the dark days of the season kind of falling behind and things ramp up a little bit more what's been your biggest takeaway in your first run here in the season? Yeah obviously as you head into the last month month and a half things really start to tighten up uh, teams start to play a little harder guys that maybe played a little loose before tighten it really up and and focus a lot more on their D zone and their habits and I think that's something that that everyone kind of does, and it's, it just happens kind of naturally, and and everyone's making that push. So it's it's exciting hockey. It's it's fast paced. I think you saw that last game. It was a playoff type atmosphere type of game, and I think we got to try and bring that every night and stay consistent with it. How do you find another gear as things get a little tighter? I think it's same thing. I, I I don't think it's so much finding another gear. I think it's being consistent with what you've done all year. I think that's huge. I think you could ask anyone. Hey, they want to be consistent game to game, and and that's a huge emphasis for our team and and for any team out they're trying to make a push and so I think that's that's the biggest thing is that that's what allows you to take that next step or change gears so if you want to say is is being consistent night to night have you noticed the opposition is maybe more aware of you as you go despite whether or not you played them once or multiple times are you noticing that people are more aware of you and you're on their radar a little bit more uh, I don't think I have too much I don't think that's something I've really really thought about at all but um, for me it's just like I kind of mentioned before trying to stay game to game stay consistent what kind of matters in that game and and doing what I can to, to try and help the team win 
Your head coach has talked about how throughout a season there are just times when the speed of play in the NHL just picks up just a little bit, and we're at one of those times now, which is more intensity. I know that you just sort of asked about tightening up a bit. Do you notice the speed of the game picking up? Yeah, I think a little bit. I think just it's more tightening up. It's more a little more structured. It's not just kind of let loose and, and you have guys kind of cheating the game. I think it's when you play teams, everyone's playing as a unit and everyone's tightening up. Like you said, I think when we came back from All-Star break, I think Huss kind of, we talked about it. He's like, just uh, get excited and, and be ready because the game starts to get get going a little more as teams push for the playoffs in the last little while here so um, it's exciting times and, and it's times where you kind of got to bring your best. And as you were saying the way I sort of combat that or push back about that is just consistency in your game? Yeah 100% you do those little things consistently that are making you feel feel good about yourself and, and the little details that, that kind of bring you confidence into your game to do the, do the other things so I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. That's Connor Zeri, our last check inside the Flames locker room on this game day, bringing you the latest from the Flames locker room every single edition here of Sportsnet today. Flames and King, 6 o'clock Flames warm-up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the call of the Flames and the LA Kings live here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, they're part of 12 games on an NHL schedule Tuesday, Shan. Uh, includes lots of content on Sportsnet. We're going to have the Sabres. And the Panthers coming your way at 5 o'clock. Of course, Again. Sportsnet West has you covered with the Kings and the Flames. Uh, but we'll take you for the late matchup tonight as well. New Jersey in San Jose to take on the Sharks. Uh, what else we got on the schedule? Caps, Red Wings? Yeah. Not bad. Uh, probably not the most exciting Coyotes, Canadians game yeah, tonight. Yeah, I'm probably not tuning in for that one. Uh, Canadians doing the Lightning and the Flyers. I, I'm interested. I'd not say bad. not bad. It's okay. Flyers. I still I, listen. Flyers. Okay, they're okay this year. They're actually doing pretty well. I don't know if this is the Flyers team that's going to make any noise in the playoffs. Just saying. They're injured, but the Golden Knights are in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Leafs go for their eighth straight victory. Eichel's practicing. He is back non-contact. with a non-contact mm-hmm. jersey, but uh, they're without Mark Stone right now and Jack Eichel. So not yeah. The usual firepower of the Golden Knights. Trade deadline. LTIR, maybe. are going to have a big splash. Well, maybe. Uh, decent matchup in Minnesota. Hurricanes and Wild at 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. Wild need to stop winning. They, they do. I don't know how. They don't have their captain. They're missing a bunch of guys, and they're still winning every game. Yeah, they're making things really, really complicated. Them in Nashville. What's up with that? I don't know. They're a point ahead of the Flames somehow. All of a sudden, they're 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. I, I said it like when their captain oh, when, when Spurgeon was done. I'm like, well, okay, really, the, you know, the, they've got some young guys, sure, but twenty million in cap penalties. <laughs> yeah, go, away. <laughs> go away, go uh, away. Speaking of those Predators, they're in action tonight. They're hosting the Ottawa Senators. Uh, gonna be lots of scoreboard watching tonight. Jets are hosting the Blues at uh, six o'clock tonight as well. Stars and Avalanche probably your premier matchup on the evening. Those two teams battling for supremacy in the Central, uh, along with Winnipeg. Dallas leads the way at 79 points, Winnipeg at 77, and Colorado at 75. And the Avs got a big boost uh, at practice. Valerie Nachushkin uh, back from the NHL, NHLPA player assistance program. So first things first, congratulations uh, to Valerie for doing what he needed to do to get back uh, playing hockey. But that's a major boost. He was just over a point a game. Uh, before leaving the Avalanche a little earlier this season, Shan, that could be the big trade deadline acquisition the Avs were looking for. Yeah, they 
they've made a couple moves, but getting him back in the lineup, he's a perfect top six guy for them. He has some sneaky, sneaky offensive talent that you really only notice when you, you know, when he's playing against a team. You're like, geez, I don't even know what to do with this guy. He's giant. He can score. He's a smart player. Uh, I, I, I really like watching Nachushkin play. This whole Avalanche team is, it's just dynamic hockey and. Um, I, I think they're they're getting poised for for another run here. Crazy that Val Nichushkin was almost a write off. Two years in the KHL, comes back to Dallas in 2018-19, doesn't score a goal in 57 games, and everyone's like, "Nope, not going to figure it out." Av sign him, turns into this perfect two way forward for them. Huge on their cup run, he had 15 points. In 20 games that run, he had 42 points in 40 games before uh, going to the player assistance program this year. So could be a massive, massive add for the Avalanche down the stretch. And then, like I mentioned, Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks at 8 o'clock tonight, 8.30. It's the Devils and the Sharks. I was talking about it with Peter Klein earlier this hour. The This whole Canucks noise right now with the Elias Pettersson stuff and the fact that he hasn't signed yet, and there's all this worry about, you know, he's never going to want to sign with Vancouver. It's crazy. I, like, enjoy the good times. You're on top of the NHL standings. Everybody's having a career year. He's still an RFA at, at the end of the season. Exactly. He's still a restricted free agent. He's not just going to test the market after this. You still have his rights. No, and even if it was worst-case scenario for Vancouver – and say he does do the Matthew Kachuk and says, look, I'm not going to sign long-term in Vancouver. You're probably best to trade me. You're getting a haul for that guy. Absolutely. So, And I know it's never easy trading the best player in a deal. Look, the obviously the Flames-Kachuk thing will be talked about for a very long time, but if you're Vancouver, push that to the end of the season. Like, do not... Let that be the distraction that takes down this team that's been so good this year and all of a sudden is in panic mode and reports coming out that management's unhappy and very concerned that he hasn't signed. Like, leave all of that noise behind. What are we doing here? It's it's the first time in a long time that we're like, okay, the Canucks are good. They're, I, I, I this team is, is really good and... and you know what? Maybe they had to regress them to the mean a little bit. Sure, and and that happened recently. It's not like they lost you know seven games in a row. They lost a couple in a row. That happens, and then all of this comes out. It's it's just like you're you're right. They're still sitting around or or in the top of you know the top of the standings, and this team has so much talent. Why would you create all these distractions and all these false narratives when? You're getting you're getting ready for a playoff run. It, none of it makes sense to me. And and because I, I saw these reports come out, I'm like, is he a UFA? Am I am I missing something? And I go and check the RFA status. I'm like, it doesn't. It, worst comes to worst, and you have to trade him. You'll be okay. It's not like you're trading away your whole team. I don't think we're going to expect to see a little bit of a Calgary Flames situation with that. If in some ridiculous world they had to trade him away, you you could probably get a number one center in that deal too. Or, or you get a thousand picks. Yeah, it just it just doesn't seem like the right time and place. But uh, if you've ever wandered into Canucks Twitter or ever gotten lost in that forest, uh, good luck. It's something else, and it continues uh, to be something else. We'll see what the narrative's like 
uh, on Wednesday after the Canucks take on the Penguins in Vancouver. Of course, the Penguins next up for the Calgary Flames on Saturday for Mika Kiprasov's jersey retirement night at the Scotia Bank Saddle Dome. Of course, trade deadline, big focus for us. We're going to have you covered here at uh, Sportsnet 960, NHL trade deadline coming up March 8th. Uh, Sportsnet 960, Calgary trusted source for everything Flames leading up to the deadline. We're going to separate the rumors from facts. If the Flames make a move, you'll hear it here first on Friday, March 8th. We've got you covered all day long from the big show, Sportsnet Today, and of course wrapping it up with Pat Steinberg and Flames Talk, the NHL trade deadline on Sportsnet 960. The fan brought to you by Atlas Pizza, the best pizza pasta, steaks and ribs since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call them at 403-248-3344 for pickup or delivery. Putting a wrap on the show this Tuesday. If you missed anything, we heard from head coach Ryan Huska, Mackenzie Weger, Dryden Hunt, and more on a game day. Checked in with the opposition, Daryl Evans, their uh, color voice on the radio for the LA Kings. Former NHLer gave us the latest on everything LA. If you missed any of that, that's in the Hour 1 podcast. Hour 2, chatting with Peter Klein about some of the biggest storylines around the hockey world right now. Check it out wherever you get your podcast: Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. My outstanding producers this hour have been Cam and Shan. Thanks for their great work. And thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast, or if you sent us a text at 960-960. We really appreciate you being along for the ride. Enjoy the Flames and the Kings. We'll break it down for you on another edition of Sportsnet Today. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.